This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. A 22-year-old Iranian woman named Masa Amini died in police custody in mid-September, sparking mass historic protests across Iran. Amini was jailed for reportedly flouting Iran's strict dress code for women. Now, as hundreds of thousands of people protest across the country, Iran's government is facing a crisis of legitimacy. My guest is Hania Jodat, an Iranian-American activist, former co-political director for Senator Nina Turner, organizer with Roots Action, founding member of Women's March Los Angeles, and co-host of Code Pink Congress. Welcome to the program, Hania. Thank you for having me, Sonali. So first, tell us who Masa Amini was. I understand she was a member of Iran's Kurdish minority. Absolutely. She was a um, Gina Masa Amini. Gina is her Kurdish name. Uh, she was a 22-year-old um, young woman who died in the custody of the morality police on September 16th. She, I understand, was arrested for uh, not adhering properly to Iran's dress code for women. She wasn't supposedly wasn't wearing her scarf correctly. Explain why she was arrested and what happened as far as we know, what happened to her under custody? Sure. Um, so hijab became mandatory and the current strict dress code became mandatory uh, after the 1979 uh, revolution. And as a result of that, you have the morality police now that um, under different presidents acts differently. Um, under some presidents, they, they are more lenient. Under um, Raisi's current regime, they are more strict on young women showing their hair. Um, and so in the case of Gina, she was arrested, um, um, was taken into custody. Uh, some reports say that um, she collapsed um, at the detention center after spending a few days in custody. Um, and the reports from the UN uh, uh, show that she was beaten by the authorities. However, the Iranian officials have said that she died as a result of a heart attack. Um, there is an ongoing investigation. The UN um, human rights experts have asked for an independent impartial um, investigation into her death, but it remains to be seen whether the government of Iran is going to comply with these requests or not. So who is protesting? Um, who, who is it that, that is, you know, on the streets of Tehran and other cities in Iran right now? Yeah. So the the current movement in Iran, even though it is led by young Iranian women protesting these compulsory hijab laws, is very inclusive because at the core of it lies the issue of women's rights and their demand for equity and equality, whether that's through equitable education, um, quality um, work, uh, getting paid equally as men and as their counterparts do. Um, from the images that we see out of Iran, there are men and women, young and old, uh, protesting together, women who wear the hijab by choice, and those who have been burning their hijabs and cutting their hair um, in showing resistance um, to the current government and these laws, they're standing shoulder to shoulder. Um, students also happen to be at the core of this movement for the very first time. Several professors at the very prestigious Sharif University of Technology in Tehran went on strike demanding that uh, the detainees uh, 
you know, who are students be released. But this movement is very inclusive at the core, because at the core of it lies the woman's rights to choose what she wishes to do with her body. So it was sparked by uh, the death of this young woman, but the protests, uh, and as is the case often with protests like this, where you have this sort of like straw that breaks the camel's back, the protests are about that incident as symbolic of a lot more. And even of the economy and the state of the economy, which is a big issue, but also women's participation in the economy? Um, there's a lot to unpack here. I think for the past six years, um, six plus years as a result of Trump's unilateral sanctions, Iranian civic society has been crippled. We have over 40% inflation in Iran right now. Um, our Tuman is worth absolutely nothing internationally anymore. So the pressure that has been put on, um, especially our women's rights activists in Iran who have to now hold four to five different jobs to put food on their table and feed their children, the pressure has mounted to now resulting in these protests, right? Um, so yes, economy has a lot to do with it. These restrict laws um, and the repression from the regime of Iran have, have a great deal to do with it. But I think what we see again at the core of, of the protest is 40 plus years of laws that have repressed women. Um, and again, whether you are in the streets of Tehran protesting right now, um, or here in the in the suburbs of the U.S., the parallel that can be drawn here is that women want equity, equality, and they wish to choose what is right for their body in their own terms, right? Um, yeah. So when we think about the protests in Iran today, they're being dubbed as historic, but there've been similar chapters of mass protests ongoing every few years, it seems, right? I mean, we shouldn't see what's happening in Iran right now as isolation, in, in isolation as if it's just happening. There's, there's a strong... Uh, tradition of protest in Iran. There's been strong movements in Iran. They've been repressed, of course. And then every now and then things sort of burst open. How does what's happening right now compare with earlier chapters of Iran's protest, which have also sometimes been sparked by, you know, the death of a young woman? Well, in 2009, with the Green Revolution, obviously, the Iranians um, were uprising against voting water suppression. Um, they wanted a democratic movement that was called the green movement um again they were asking for better jobs better opportunities in life a chance to thrive right this time it's a bit different because again you have women and you have young women whether they choose again to wear the hijab or they choose to burn their scarves coming together saying enough is enough and i think what makes this very historic is that um you're for the very first time hearing from a community that's minority in Iran that is very oppressed, right? Um, and that's what makes it very special, um, I think, to the international audience, uh, as well as really just fueling the fire in Iran. Um, our young women are some of the most resilient women um, I have ever seen. So uh, they are the voices of this courageous movement. And so, so that's why it's, you know, yeah, if this movement is different, if this protest chapter is different, what is the potential for there to be a change in the government in Iran? 
Well, the change that the Iranian people inside of Iran wish to see is really incumbent upon whether they continue to stay in the streets or not. Times and time and time again, we've seen that the government has used tactics and ways to quiet the protesters, whether it's through jailing some of the critical thinkers behind these protests or detaining students, um, cutting off the internet um, and, and social media so that the movement is now you know, quietly being um, suppressed. I think um, if they continue to do this and continue to remain in the streets, I think we will see some changes. Uh, but that, again, is, is really dependent on whether um, what the government does. And has the government also been organizing its own uh, counter to the protesters uh, in the past? We know that there have been rallies and marches that the government has organized by its own supporters to, to counteract, at least visually, what we see in the streets with uh, actual protesters. Sure. I mean, they have responded in large numbers. Um, there are protests against the protesters from the, the more conservative um, um, folks who support the government of Iran. Um, unfortunately, more than ever, there has been a major crackdown on Iranian uh, uh, internet and uh, as well as social media. And the Basij uh, uh, um, has been using different tactics to silence the, uh, the protesters. Hundreds have been wounded. Um, there has been many clashes with the police and the parliamentary forces. So um, there are two sides to this story that are protesting each other as well. Um, so, yeah. And the, uh, the internet crackdown in particular is also really interesting because when you have that, you have to have the cooperation often of international companies. Um, has there been any solidarity uh, outside of Iran to help Iranians inside access the internet, have digital access? Um, there has been solidarity, although I um, say this cautiously because um, any democracy, and I, I mean the United States of America, that places sanctions on a population um, of 80 million plus, um, does it really stand in solidarity with the Iranian movement, right? Um, I'm always very cautious about that. Of course, Biden responded. Senior Biden officials, senior Biden officials have also uh, denounced the government's crack, uh, crackdown on the movement. Uh, the U.S. in response to the crackdowns has imposed more sanctions on the morality police, in addition to some of uh, sanctioning some of the Iranian officials, senior officials. Um, the Treasury Department modified the U.S. Uh, sanctions to let technology companies counter uh, the Iranian government's internet crackdown and surveillance. Um, and uh, so, yes, there is solidarity coming. But I also feel like, you know, how can you show solidarity with a community that you've sanctioned and starved for the past Right. six years plus, right? And Iranians are uh, as active as they can be digitally. Uh, there was, a, I understand, a TikTok star or, you know, a person who, who had a lot of followers on TikTok, a 20-year-old woman who earlier this week was shot dead while participating in protests. And there have been several uh, people killed in the protests themselves, right? And so we're seeing uh, the harsh crackdown, which I imagine is just extremely extremely scary, especially for those women who are taking the active step of cutting off their hair in public, removing their headscarves in public. This is a very risky thing to do, right? Certainly. Absolutely. And 
one thing that I really do urge for everyone to do is to really listen to the voices coming out of Iran. Unfortunately, during times like these, you have the conservative Republican arm of the Iranian community that lives outside of the um, country, right, promoting their own agenda. Uh, so it's it's very important for us as the viewers, as folks who are outside of the country, to really listen to the cries of Iranian uh, women who live inside um, uh, under a, a repressive regime. Um, and um, what I would do is I would urge for my sisters in Iran to continue um, protesting. Um, and they should know that we fully support them. So you still have family in Iran? I do. I do. My mother lives there. My auntie lives there. And I do have extended family on my father's side, whom I've not been able to get in contact with actually for the past few days. So as far as you know, as far as you know, or what can you tell us about what you're hearing from family members, from friends that you might still have in Iran about? how they're facing these or participating potentially in the protests or how they view what's happening, anything that you can give us from inside Iran, a glimpse into the mindset of the ordinary Iranian. Right. Um, well, of course, because of the internet crackdowns, I have not been able to get in contact with anyone from inside the country. I've tried on a number of occasions to call my mother. Um, WhatsApp is the means we're we speak and, and see each other, but she has not been able to receive any of my messages. And I've tried to get in contact with some of my closer friends there and they the messages are not delivered. Um, so the only way she was able to connect with me was via email once um, on Saturday, just to tell me that she's okay and she's doing well. Uh, so it's really hard to say without being able to communicate with, with family members, but I would assume that there is happiness and sadness. Um, there is frustration and anger. Uh, my mother, who grew up during the time of Shah and saw the revolution and what happened after the revolution, um, who's a woman who wants a democratic Iran, is sad and happy probably at the same time. Sad because there are so many brave young women and men out there right now protesting, um, but happy that there is a movement happening and, and taking shape inside the country, right? Um, that can lead towards a, a more free, um, equitable society in Iran, um, free of church and state per se, right? Um, so, um, what, what, sort of, what sort of solidarity actions have there been in countries around the world? I imagine that there, there are happening, some happening here in the United States as well and, and across Europe, wherever there is an Iranian diaspora. Sure. I mean, there are protests taking place at every corner of um, the United States at the moment. Um, but just recently, there was a uh, protest in solidarity with Iranian women uh, in Iran from Syria, right, which was very beautiful to watch. Uh, so, and I will say this, no matter where you stand on politics with regards to Iran, whether you want for a monarch society or whether you want for a, a democratic Iran or you're fighting for a democratic Iran, um, or you know you side with more of religious ideologies, right? Um, there's a sense of solidarity within the community. We're all holding each other close because these are very hard times for our countrymen and countrywomen inside the country. Um, so I have seen 
although I have seen some opposition and trolls um, on social media attacking uh, those who encourage that we do listen to Iranian women's voices from the country. Um, I have also seen a ton of solidarity coming from my sisters who I may not necessarily agree with in terms of uh, politics, um, but we're still the same um, in culture, in passion, art, movement building. So, um, yeah. Hania, thank you so much for joining us today. Good luck to you and good luck to your family. Thank you so much. My guest is Iranian-American Hania Jodat, former co-political director for Senator Nina Turner, organizer with Roots Action, founding member of Women's March Los Angeles and co-host of Code Pink Congress. I'm Sonali Kolhatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Are You With Sonali.